five, six, seven, eight. We've got spirit, yes we do. We've got spirit, how about you? Welcome to the Spirit of Us Cheer Podcast. Wow! This is a show where we motivate, inspire, and share resources with cheer coaches. Welcome to the Spirit of Us podcast. This is our very first one. I have to say I am stoked. Let's talk through what brings you joy in the world of cheerleading and why you chose cheer as a sport that you wanted to coach. I am Kaylee. This is my eighth-ish year of coaching. I cheered for one year in high school, my senior year, because a couple of friends who were graduating we were hanging out one day and they were like, Hey, you pick up dances quick. You should do cheerleading. And I was like, <laughs> no. And then I tried out and I made the competition team and loved it. So glad I did it. One regret is that I didn't do it more, but instead of regretting that forever, I just decided to coach. And I have coached at two different programs. I've done like completely groundbound. We only do sideline. I just finished my fourth or fifth season as a competition cheer coach have a lot of different experiences everywhere in between. I am excited to be here, uh, not only to share what I've learned in the process of going from step one to trying to continue learning on all the steps, but also uh, to learn from the other people in the room because I appreciate and strive to be one of the people who is very adamant that I don't know everything. And I'm a teacher in my real life. So being a constant learner is the goal. And I'm excited to be here and do that with all of my friends. So I'm Liz. I'm actually Kaylee's co-coach. This is my second year coaching with her. However, I grew up around cheer. My mom actually coached in the town that I grew up in since I was like six, I want to say. So like 31 out of the 38 years I've been alive. I've been around cheer in some form or capacity. She retired last year. And so I kind of took the reins from what she had been doing and am now filling those shoes and get to coach my beautiful teenage daughter, who is a junior in high school, which comes with its own little bucket of fun. Uh, <laughs> and then I have two other daughters that are coming up. So that's kind of what keeps me going is just keeping that tradition alive. That's that's me in a nutshell. And I'm a social worker in my real life, like a school social worker. I'm Jordan. This is my sixth season coaching. I've coached wrestling cheer. I've coached, well, currently coach football cheer. And now I also coach competition cheer. We got our own separate comp squad this year. So that was super exciting. Fun fact about me. I've never personally cheered a day in my life. Throw that out on the internet. <laughs> Never cheered a day in my life, so I kind of got asked to be the word that we all despise, a cheer sponsor for a wrestling team, and I was like, sure, I can do that. (laughs) And in tune of my personality, I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I want to be, like, the best I possibly can at it, and that just grew into a love of cheerleading, and I kept wanting to learn more and more and more, and so I'm just here to, like, I would say represent the people or the coaches who kind of started with zero, (laughs) no background, no knowledge, and kind of had to build a program from the ground up. So that's kind of what keeps me going is like, I love to network. I love to help other coaches because I know what it was like six years ago when I had 
absolutely no idea what I was doing and now run four successful cheer squads and we're heading to nationals for the first time in school history in January. So literally started from the bottom. Now we're here. And I'm also a school counselor in my real life and a mom to a two-year-old. And we're expecting a baby boy in January or January, March. Please don't come in January. (laughs) Hi, I am Sarah and I have coached in total for 22 years and I hear dance very sports went to a very small high school where we did it all literally played basketball game changed and did the halftime performance and went back and played the other part of the half the basketball game and um, cheered in college and then went on and honestly started coaching gymnastics first and then competition dance and then I became involved in the dance world and got a dance coaching job first and then when the cheer coach left her position there I transferred kind of into uh, coaching the cheer program, I see bits of myself in all of you guys. And I think that's the part of I that I love going, oh yeah, I remember when I was one to five years. Oh yeah, when I remember when I was that second, six to 10 years. Oh gosh, yes, I remember my first time at nationals. I remember my first championship. I remember, you know, the year we got ninth, for goodness sake, after we'd won the championship, you know, like, you know, all those experiences. And that's, why I'm here is that I love helping. I've been really excited to help everyone on this podcast and work with their teams as well as other teams. And, you know, just being able to kind of share the cheat codes is my, my word and to be in the lane that I've been in before and say, Hey, this is what helped me here. And this is what I learned here. And again, I don't claim to know everything either, but um, there's a lot of things that I've learned along the way that has certainly been a passion of mine just to go in and help like coaching the coach and be that, be that buddy and be that best friend. And I think that's something that we wanted to do with this podcast too, is to be a resource for people to be able to be like, Oh my gosh, it's it's the thing that you don't hear in a workshop or the things that you maybe did, but you hear differently when you're in one to five years. And when you go back and hear something else and you're in the second six to 10 years, it, it sounds different and it feels different. So I love that. I love just sharing cheat codes, love hearing stories and the things that we've learned along the way and helping make other people's programs and them as people and their teams even better. Yes. And I also, if I can piggyback just quickly off of that, was also important, you know, because obviously I value all of your guys' friendships a lot, but it's also nice to know that like whenever I'm having a problem with an athlete or with my admin or whatever, and I send it to all of you and you're like, oh yeah, been there, try this. Like, or it's like, oh, yep, we're in the same boat. So I'm like, okay, good. It's not just me that's living in a fire in a dumpster. Like it's <laughs> everyone. Great. Right. Right. You know, so like, yeah, I was going to ping me back on what Liz said. Like even today, her and I were going having coaching daughters. I mean, at one point I had three of my daughters on the team at the same time. And there were like three completely different personalities. And that's the season of life she's in. And, you know, that'll be a different season for someone else. And I, I love connecting with people like that. And I think that's what we all do. We love going to our chat and going, guess what? <laughs> and that's just been such a mm-hmm. good thing. And that's what we hope to find here. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Also, I didn't introduce myself at all, but I'm Tim. Hello. I uh, had this crazy idea to start a podcast, I don't know, literally like almost exactly a month ago. It was the day after the Iowa Cheer Finals hosted at Waukee High School, and I was (laughs) 
honestly, I said I was in the shower, but I was really just sitting on the toilet <laughs> at like 4 a.m. <laughs> and was like, hmm, my partner and I, we, we carpooled to school because we both work at Waukee High School. And I was like, hmm, what what is Tony going to make me listen to in the car ride? And he listens to this fabulous show choir podcast. It's great. And they talk about their favorite routines and they bring in all different kinds of choreographers and all this other stuff. I was like, that's so cool. And then I was like, why don't I have a cheer one? Like search and search. And I could not find a single thing. And I was like, why don't we do it? I know people. I know people that know people. Let's build a resource for others. Let's build a something that like we can listen to on our drives to work and get information and try different things at practice and like, good quotable moments or just really funny moments that we can all like relish and share together. So that's where the spirit of us was born was in my bathroom at four 30 in the morning on November 6th. And I'm hoping that it just snowballs into this absolutely wonderful, amazing thing. In terms of my credentials, I uh, have coached for two years at a class five, a level walkie, obviously, and absolutely love it. I walked into that program after they split school, which was absolutely terrifying as a coach. And, uh, it worked out well, but I was also given no handbook. I was given no script. I was given nothing at all. It was, here's your five H year program, have fun, which was terrifying. And so I, heavily relied on resources that I met at conferences and at different events that we attended and that kind of thing. And just started building a huge network of people, which obviously led us to where we are today. So, so talking about cheer, we obviously all are currently coaches, right? I don't think any of us hold the title of sponsor, oh my God, never. right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think a huge common myth about cheerleading as a sport is being a sponsor because we are much more than a sponsor. I think Sarah and I have had conversations. All of us have probably had conversations with Sarah about like, you are a cruise ship director and you're the cruise ship director of like eight boats at the same time. There's never just one thing you get to do. My common myth would be that just because you're the cheer coach's daughter, you're automatically going to make varsity. It drives me crazy. As a mom, as a former cheerleader, it drives me nuts because I know when I was cheering for my mom, I would have to work doubly as hard as the other girls just to prove that I was worthy to be there. And then I know my own daughter has had to work harder and overcome her own obstacles being on the team because it would always be a, hey, Destiny, or, well, I don't care if you guys know her name. Hey, Destiny, go ask your mom if... A, B, or C, or get this input, and then writing that line of like, when am I a mom and when when am I a coach? That was so hard, but it's always, it's always, no matter what, gonna be, oh, you're only on the team because your mom made it or your mom coaches or whatever the situation is. And it just drives me crazy because if people knew how hard it is to live that double, that dual role for both sides of it. It's so, it's so intensely hard. It's unbelievable. So that would be my biggest, biggest cheer myth and probably. Agreed. I think, I mean, obviously I don't have kids, but like I used to coach at Tribe Athletics as well. I've helped kids that started at like a level one or a level Mm -hmm. two. And now they're in my program at Waukee. They thought like, ooh, Tim's my friend because I used to call him Coach Timbo and he was so much Mm -hmm. fun. And like, it was such a different environment. And I'm like, no, I'm actually harder on you because I expect more from you because I know what yep. you can do. Well, and same with her friends right? too. Like as a coach, there would be times where, you know, I kind of struggled my first year with writing that, like, am I a coach? Am I a friend? Am I your friend's mom? Like 
living that role, it's yeah. so difficult. And, you know, I've had bumps along the way. I certainly haven't been perfect. I think Kaylee can agree with that. But that's, it's just really hard. And it's, it's frustrating on like being both of those roles, especially, but I think being the cheerleader, like it's not easier having your mom be your coach, because like I said, you have to work as hard, if not harder than to prove yourself. And also you're just really put in that awkward position. So take it easy on the coach. Well, I think Liz too, like you have to come home with things after practice. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, for me, when I leave practice, I can leave it at the door and, and drive home. Yeah. Whereas like you take, you know, outside into practice and practice home, right. you know, if things, regardless if things are going well or if they aren't going well, yeah, but absolutely. that can be difficult too. Well, and Kaylee, I mean, she's my best friend as well as my co-coach. So I mean, it's hard for her too, because then she's hearing it from me as a mom who's venting, you know, as, and as a friend, but also as a co-coach. And like, there have been times when my daughter has done really stupid things, which shall not be named. Like there's been a discipline thing with my daughter at one point when she decided she thought she was going to be funny and crossed a line. And I had to step out of the room while Kaylee and my other, you know, co-coach talk to our AD to figure out, okay, is she suspended or what do we do to handle this? Is it just a team thing or what do we do? It's just a hard situation. And I should add that all six of my kids are adopted out of foster care. So there's also like a certain level of like trauma and attachment, you know, history that we have there as well, where I feel like I have extra shoes that I have to fill if that makes sense. So it's, it's hard. But yeah. Also like pull something out that you said that I think every coach should start using and their mm -hmm. language is co-coach yeah. yes i have assistant coaches that's what they're hired as but like i look for when i'm hiring my assistant coaches because i get to be the one who's kind of in charge of that who gets to go before my ad i look for somebody who's going to be my companion like my mm -hmm. partner because they are my other half it's not just like a better half or a, a bad half or anything like that. they're both on any given day and there's somebody that i can trust and build relationships. I just think assistant coach is just like, oh, I have these set responsibilities. I'm like, no, you're my co-coach and we share responsibilities. Like that's how this works. So I just, I love that little language. I was going to mention earlier, um, but I think you have to be really communicative about what that means. I'm all for co-coach. Like Liz has pulled through in many a situation for me. I mean, she ran all of our summer, uh, and like, there are days that I could not do without Liz, <laughs> just straight up. One day when Sarah was at our practice and I was in the hallway crying and Liz was like, are you okay? I was like, I don't, I don't know. And she pulled me through it. But I think you have to be really communicative with your AD and with your position to understand like, are you a co-coach or are you seen by the school as a head and an assistant? Because if you're seen by the school as a head and an assistant, you do have different responsibilities and you are going to take the fall in a very different way. Um, and you are representing the school in a different way in their eyes than maybe you are within your own program. So you just have to really understand what languaging within your own program, but also within mm -hmm. your district. Because if something happens, who's, who's responsible for it? Who's taking the fall? So I think you just have to be really clear about what that title means. I also think kind of pulling back to our first myth that if you're considered a sponsor at your school, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. I think it's an opportunity for education. I think that there are many places where that was just what it was called. 
and it's never been questioned. It's never been changed. And different people are going to have different expectations of what a cheerleading coach does. And different cheer coaches are going to have different expectations of what they do too. Like what I want in my program, what I see my responsibility as could be very different than the person who came before me and who came after me. And sometimes that language, although we feel it's weighted in a certain way, isn't necessarily meant. So I think you just have to understand that like your title is, is a title. It's, it's what you make of it. Um, and if you see yourself as uh, more of a coach than a sponsor, fight for that. And if that's really important to you, then fight for that. And that's 100% there. It's just the title of my contract. Like that's cool too. You get to, I think, define what being a cheerleading coach means to you. I don't think that you're the title on the top of your contract has to. God, I love that so And I also much. think like there are some great, there are some great programs I I feel that I know that are called sponsors, but they also have a lot more like student involvement. So like students get to lead a lot more. And like, I think that great builds great leadership and is exactly what the world of cheerleading needs as well. And like more power to these young female leaders that will eventually lead the world. Like I'm all for that, you know? So like, if that's your situation, more power to you. Continue doing what you're doing. Like yeah. I mean, I went through that this last year where advocating to have a separate competition cheer program I also wrote a proposal to get the wording changed from sponsor to coach because of the duties that I was you know getting assigned also to run a program like that and again it was the school didn't mean for it to be like a disrespectful title at all it was just there wasn't the knowledge that that it should be changed. And so I went ahead and had it changed when I was issued my contract for competition cheer. And, you know, like I said, the, this podcast is a resource. So if there's any coach who wants to know, like, how did you do that? What verbiage did you use? I'm happy to share that proposal. But I have something that, that pulls me to you, Jordan, if Sorry. that helps. Cause I think that you'll relate. One yeah. of the biggest myths, I think, I think there's a lot of myths about the sport of cheerleading. One of which is that it's not that hard. But that's like a, that's a whole episode within itself. But a common myth that I think about as a high school, but also as a coach is that you have to be a certain type to fill that role. Um, I am not small. <laughs> she is a tall six foot back, can't tumble, can't jump. Like we don't self demonstrate things, certain things in the program. We have kids do that because my skills aren't fantastic but that doesn't mean that I wasn't a good cheerleader. And just because I don't necessarily know certain things doesn't mean I'm not a good coach. And I think that that is a myth, particularly when we're recruiting high school kids, when we're talking about kids who are in like the most self-conscious era of their life, um, that, oh, I can't be a cheerleader because I don't look like that. I can't be a cheerleader because I'm not popular. Right. And yep. I think that, that there is not a type yes. of person that becomes a cheerleader. And I think that that's super important um, for coaches to know too. Like you don't have to just go looking for whoever looks or acts or does this. Like I, I will say like some of my most successful cheerleaders came out as seniors and had these skills tucked away that they didn't know existed because they didn't know like how to bring them out. And that's what we do as coaches is kind of going back to the whole co-coach thing my assistant coach is one of my former cheerleaders which 
we can discuss at a different time and, and she's amazing, but that's had its own set of challenges as well going, okay, you were an athlete for me. I was your, you know, superior in that sense. And now we work alongside of each other, but like we have had the many conversations of, we kept head and assistant because of her age, you know, she's younger than me. And it's one of those things like I'm also mentoring her, you know, do we, do we make collective decisions? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, like we're both aware that the buck stops with me and that I have to answer certain things and she's not prepared to do that at her age. And that's totally fine. And we run a very successful program together and I wouldn't have it any other way. But I think that, you know, that myth of like cheer coaches are against each other. Absolutely ridiculous because I will say like one of my favorite things about coaching is other coaches, <laughs> you know, getting to know people. I mean, that's how we all, this podcast came to be. I mean, Tim and I have known each other since we were, you know, children, but you know, like <laughs> I met at the gym randomly because we're both like, Oh, you coached here, you know? And then that's how I met Liz. And then that's how I met Sarah. So the myth of like cheer coaches are just all competitive and trying to get each other. Like, no. I compete in the same, like the same class as Kaylee and Liz. And we're here just like hyping each other up. What's going well? How can I help? You know, do you want me to watch anything? And we're competing against each other. We competed against each other in stunt group this year. And it does not matter because we're all here to do the same thing for kids and that's give them opportunities. So I just think that's such a myth that coaches are after each other. Also, I know that we're like, I completely agree. Like coaches are not against other coaches, but I will say that whenever Jordan started having margaritas or taco night or whatever, that you guys went to the Mexican restaurant once a week (laughs) and I was not invited. I was very pissed off because it's my best friend. But now we're all You're always welcome for queso and bars. And Tim, in 15 years, we have not gone out for Mexican (laughs) once because you don't (laughs) like it. Not the point. Okay, Tim, you guys lived in the town with like, the best Mexican yeah. restaurant ever, and you didn't ever eat Mexican food? It's just, it's not <laughs> my vibe. It doesn't go well with everything else that's going on with my to, vibe. To okay. kind of wrap, Bye. like, all of that together, just, like, we are not the enemy. Like, Liz is not my enemy. No. If Liz has brilliant no. ideas... We're going to use that idea. Jordan and I compete in the same class against each other, but Jordan having a successful program helps my program be successful (laughs) because there's something for us to be, not that it's about Mm -hmm. comparison, but there's something for us to compare to. There's, you know, there's, or relate to. Yeah. There's, there's relate to there like when i want to try something new like in however many years and i want to try to go to nationals jordan is a school very similarly sized that competes very similarly to what we do and she knows how to do it like she is not my enemy and that's the spirit of us that's why the word us is so important here is it's it's not the spirit of me it's not the spirit of i right well it's not just even necessarily like only like within this this friend group either. I mean, this is this goes for coaches throughout the entire state of Iowa. I mean, I've had people call me that met me at ICCA conference and we exchanged phone numbers and they've called me to ask for my input on things, which I mean, conference, there's the annual coaches conference here in our state. And that's a great way to network and meet other coaches. But I think that it's important to know, like, that's not just inclusive to only our friend group. It's, it's throughout the entire state. And I think that they're, 
is a common misconception that in order to be competitive, you have to be like, I don't know, like against one another. And that's just, that's just right. Like, or you have to be like Joaquin and crazy like me and spend $4,000 no. on choreography and $4,000 on music. <laughs> you don't. Right. But like, I'm nuts. And I'm like, I want to spend all this Girl, money. Let's go make want, some. You don't have to. So like, what spectrum do you want? We got yeah. it all, you know? And like, that's what makes all of us in this group us, but also everybody in the state of Iowa us. Because there are other people that are like, yep, I'm going to do exactly the way Tim does. But there are other people that are like, no, everything is completely different, right? So like, that's why it's important for all of us to come together and, or at least be available to each other and be able to share resources and right. ideas, uh-huh. right? I think and this I segues beautifully to our next topic, which is like, coaches need coaches, like we need each other. This We do not survive without each other, no. right? No. I, I could not. I remember whenever I first started coaching in Oski and Jordan first started coaching her school and I, we both shared every cheer, every wrestling cheer we both had because we had no idea. We had no arsenal. We had no library. We had nothing, right? And I didn't know anybody at that time because I started mid-season, you know, and like she didn't either. And the person who left before her didn't have a lot of resources either. So like we were just making things up, right? So like, it was very important for me to have that relationship. And I'm so thankful now that I'm in the position that I'm in to have more of those resources. So the bigger question also with this coaches need coaches topic is like, who were your mentors? Have you, have you said anything to them recently? You know, and how did you become the coach that you became to be able to coach others? Well, mine, I think is probably pretty obvious given (laughs) my history. My biggest mentor is obviously my mother. She has served on our Iowa Cheer Coaches Association board for literally since I was a child or been involved in some capacity. And in that sense, like she has all these relationships with other people who have coached throughout our entire state who have also, I've looked up to as not only coaches, but you know, my mom's friends and mother figures and like strong adult, you know, women and all of that. So I would have to say, but mostly, obviously, my mom has been the biggest one to that. Oh, you guys, I know this might come as a big shock, but I was kind of a pain in the ass. Big shock. So it's nice because now that I'm getting that in karma full force with my own precious angels, it's nice to have that resource to reach out to. And yeah, I talk to my mom like every single day and even still about cheerleading too and like trying to figure out like what worked for you. What didn't work for you? How do I handle this situation? I had a situation with my daughter where she's black and felt like she was being, you know, treated differently than others. And so what do I do? I call my mom because how do I handle this as a coach slash mom in this situation? Because I think in my day-to-day life as a social worker, I want to go like balls to the walls, like mama bear claws out and go crazy. But like in the coaching world, you can't do that. You know what I mean? And still salvage your reputation. So my mom's been a pretty, pretty solid ace that I've kept in my back pocket. Sarah, I'm really curious as a coach who's like been coaching for a long time. Like I'm genuinely curious who your mentor is. Yeah. So I would honestly say, which I was going to tie this whole thing up in our previous conversation is that I only think you can be a really great coach. And I wouldn't say only, but I would say your mental health and your success rate is going to be higher if you find your people like you're in this group. And I would say Mm -hmm. in all of our conversations, that's why we started this because we wanted to be the people. 
for everybody else that's feeling that way. And so I had a very good competitor is one of the largest coaches from the largest schools in our state. And her and I competed head to head for many years. And I won for a while. She won for a while. We, well, you know, we went back and forth, but we strongly just united in like our work ethics are the same. We believe steel sharpens steel. We shared the same choreographer for a long time. We went to nationals together, still go to her practices. She would come and critique videos of mine. We would, you know, share, we'd go, what's your grip on this or what's this? But there was that time too where, honestly, Jordan, I think we've all felt this way where you didn't know who to turn to and you felt like you were alone in your coaching. And that has been, those were the years where I was just like, sometimes you are your own biggest mentor because you have to turn inside, right? And just be like, okay, in my gut, my gut says this. And, you know, right or wrong, you just go because you're there every single day with teenagers. You're being pulled a million different directions. You're getting texts from your own children, your husband, you're this, you're that. And you're just trying to keep your head above water. So mentors for me definitely were leaders of our state on the dance and cheer side. I was always one to be like, what do you see? (laughs) And I would bring in lots of other people where I brought in the football coach one time and I just said, what do you see? Because there's only a panel of seven judges, right? Or five or whatever. But the crowd is filled with high school football coaches, people that don't know the ins and outs of cheer. So we were totally always welcoming in a lot of different viewpoints. We we had a te- the teachers come in once and I gave them all a score sheet to be like, what do you see? And I think that's you know, not everybody's like that. I would want the other. I asked for the past fall cheer coach, I remember, to come in. I had her come in. I, you know, there was just like, I'm like, help. The more help. It, I just think of so many mentors because I don't know who. I think everybody's a mentor. Everybody. I learned stuff from all of you going, oh, that's how they do it. Oh, gosh. So I can't really think of one. I know, you know, there's a lot of times you just kind of have to just forge the boat on your own and but I think the more people at least that's how I saw it they're not going to say my name they're not going to say Susie one or you know they're going to say my town one and the more people and the more ideas and opinions that I can get I always thought were valuable so I probably just can't I can't pick one just because I I think I was just my my mentality was that the more the better and that's what I know we hope to be with this podcast. And yes, absolutely. Yes. I think that like definitely have a couple that you'd say like be mentors that were like, I definitely tap often, right? But like, I definitely see it as like mentorship army. Like I just, I, I go to different people for different things, whether that's a stunt thing or if it's a, hey, I need to pick me up or I need to just vent about everything for the day that kind of thing like many different types of mentors i think Um, some big ones for me are like zach flaherty who's one of the owners of tribe and dan hawken and um, even some of my other co-coaches have been great mentors for me right now and i'm not i won't share their ages but both of my co-coaches are almost old enough to be my mom like they're older than i am right and like i definitely see them even though they're my assistants or my co-coaches like i still see them as like i can learn from them because they've also seen 
a lot more. They've dealt with a lot more students, right, and high school teenage girls and boys than I have. I can use that to my advantage as the head coach. But I think that that's huge. And like Jordan is one of my biggest, even though she is my age, like she is one of my biggest supporters and one of my biggest mentors in my entire life. Jordan and I have talked on the phone almost every single day of our lives, every single day. And like, that is so valuable to me. And that is the drive that I need to keep going. Her and I had a conversation this morning of like, God, it's really hard to keep wanting to go to practice, go to nationals. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, there's not a lot of other coaches in Iowa that are going to nationals. So it's like, I can't share that with people and they don't understand like, like, oh yeah, that sucks that you still have practice. Like, yeah, but like, I want someone to go through the torture with me. Yeah. And like, fortunately I have, I do have a mentor. I have a friend that is doing that same exact thing. So for me, it's my mentorship army, this group, other coaches, and you know, that like your person that you get to do any and everything with for me. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I would echo that too. Like there's just something to be said about being challenged, you know, like I said, Tim's known me, you know, since I was 15, we've, we've done a lot of life together and like, I am a person that I, I'm really outgoing until I'm not. And then I can, I can get anxious about things. I can be scared about things. I can kind of want to sit and be comfortable and, you know, like taking a team to nationals, we were, Tim and I were ironically driving around just, you know, like we were 15, except for now we're much older than that. And he was talking about nationals and I was like, when do you go? And he's like, oh, end of January. And I was like, sweet. And I literally got on my phone and booked a flight and I was like, I'm coming. Like, I want to see what this whole shindig's about. And within, you know, maybe two hours of being there, I was like, this, this is happening. Like this is what we're doing. And I wouldn't be doing that had Tim not gone and been supportive of been like, yeah, you are coming. And we have talked through so many things. And, you know, without that, I mean, I wouldn't be half the coach because Tim cheered. I didn't. So it's like, how do we, how do we move forward without each other? How you met everybody, you know, and then that was kind of where that all started. And through your relationship, I got to know the owners really well. And then, I became friends with them, you know, and that's, you know, Dan at Tribe is another huge mentor for me because I don't know a fraction of hardly anything. It feels like some days I've built an, quite the arsenal with him because he's been able to show me things. We've been going to Trident now for six seasons and, you know, now my arsenal is pretty big and still nowhere where it needs to be. That's for sure. But you know, I can feel confident teaching kids elite level skills because I've been taught those things because I've never done them. So that's been challenging, but yeah, those are my people. I love everything that you all have said. It's, you know, we all have that. I just talked about her mom. Her mom has been a really great mentor for me too, because her mom coached at the same school that I do. Mindy Debon at United in Fort Dodge and her entire team, they do great things for our program. Mindy was my high school coach, one of my high school coaches. Uh, had she not put me on a team, I probably would not be here right now in my basement talking on a podcast about cheerleading. But to tie it all together with everything else you all have said, I think it's important to note that your cheerleading mentor can know absolutely nothing about cheerleading. There have been days where like my husband is the go-to person who can give me the most clarity on the situation because he's completely removed from it and he knows 
nothing. Well, he does know some things because I made him watch some documentaries and a lot of TikToks. But, you know, there are my AD <laughs> has been great for me sometimes because he's an outside perspective. He knows a lot about coaching. You no, know, it could be if you're a teacher, it could be the teacher down the hallway who coaches something else or who leads the student council. Like you can find a mentor anywhere even if you feel like you're on an island and cheer where you live, because there's a lot of people who know a lot about leading groups to success uh, that don't know a single thing about how to do a somersault or put up a prep. Um, but if you can't find that, that's why we're here. I also think like, especially with ADs, like I love my athletic director. He's wonderful. Does he always say yes to me? No. But what I love is that like he wants to work through problems with me and not just like, that's your problem, figure mm -hmm. it out. You know, and having this issue with this student and this student or this parent and this student or whatever it is, right? Bring him that scenario. And he comes back to me and he asks me questions. He's like, well, what are you doing about it? What have you communicated? Like, and helps me so problem solve. The other thing is, is like, we had our year review last year, like, Getting to ask him questions about how he feels leadership is was like probably one of the best ways that we strengthened our relationship. So like if you're struggling with like any relationship with your AD, don't go in with an agenda. Like when I went in for my review, I didn't have anything written. Down. I didn't have anything prepared. I was like, what are you going to ask me? And like we ended up just having a conversation about leadership and being a good coach and talking about like our values were and like gave me the challenge of like write down your top five values because I guarantee it's probably going to be harder than what you think. Right. And I was he wasn't wrong. Like I it took me a week and I emailed them to him and I and he's like great rough draft. Let's see the next one. Cultivated like what we wanted the cheer program to be at Waukee High School, right? Like and it helps him be more invested, understand the program and that kind of thing. So I think the more that you can do to try to cultivate that relationship is extremely important. I also posed the question, what ways do you cultivate leadership in your programs and with your athletes? Is that captains? Is that I do an advisory council? So I pull kids from all age groups and it's a random sign up. Anybody can sign up if they want to. We have pizza and we talk about like things for the cheer program and like where we want things to go and like make some bigger decisions and talk through like, what do we want to do for community service this month? And those kinds of things, hoping to cultivate my mentorship through them is like giving them tools in their toolbox to be able to help lead things that are in practice and outside of practice. So it doesn't look like they are, I'm a leader and I'm the cheer captain and I'm going to do X, Y, Z, right? And you have to listen to me because I'm the senior or whatever. It's, hey, like we want to do this as a cheer program. And so it helps them with that verbiage a little bit easier. And for people to understand that like, oh, wow, they're just not in charge. It's just the council and Tim want to do this all together. It's how we've made it work for us. And it's, this is a, it's like a pilot program. It's the first, first year that we're doing this it. This is why I love this podcast. Uh, so Tim, tell us more. Is, do you like, do you pick them? Do their <laughs> teammates pick them? Do they apply? Like, cause I think this sounds so cool. They so I just sent out a Google form and I, it just has like their name, their grade, what cheer programs that they're involved in at the high school. And then I asked them for a teacher reference. And then I also asked them to write me one to two paragraphs of like why cheerleading is important to them and what they want to see from the Waukee high school cheer program. But I don't think you should have captains because I think like you said, I think that that totally just there's a power dynamic and it's exactly, hard to manage. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I yeah. also do think though that 
having a leadership team, while it's a good idea, I feel like it also can put too much of a strain between the leadership team and the coach because ultimately you are the adult that's in charge. So I feel like that's kind of almost setting you up as a coach for failure, because if you have a leadership team that wants to do something really bad and you're like, no, we're not doing that. Then you look like the grumbly old, you know what, that won't allow it. I completely see it. And I agree how I see it. Like, it's just like we, it is an advisory council. They're not necessarily the leaders of my team. There are people on there that are like, that they don't have the best skills that are on the advisory council, but they love to cheer and they love the right. program. And that's why I love to have them there because they bring a different input, like whether that's between tumblers and non-tumblers and stunters and non-stunters, like whatever that situation is, they can also bring a different perspective. And so that's what I love. And I also talk to them about like, part of it is, is like, I'm younger. I'm not, I'm not, I think all of us here are quite young still, but it's like, Whenever you talk to high school yeah. girls, we are not cool. Old. Like we're not cool, right? No, I'm old. So like mom. I, I get it. Right. Like I come up with some crazy ideas sometimes. And I I last year as a first year coach at a five A school, I was like, let's try this. Cause I did this here and I think it worked. And they were like, We're not four. This is dumb. <laughs> right. So like I also use it as a sounding board for like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this at practice next month. What are your thoughts? <laughs> then they can be like, we don't like that, but like, what if you tried it this way? So then that way they can help me not seem so yeah. old or like get more buy-in from the rest of everybody to be able to do something. That makes so sense. like it's communication two ways. It's not like I'm giving them full reign of anything or any it's not that. It's like I needed a soundboard so that way I could stay relative toward to the yeah. youths of America, but I also wanted them to also, like, I think it's important for athletes to be able to know that their voice is heard and that they're important. But again, I also let them know, like, there is somebody who has to make the decision <laughs> and it's me, right? I will take into your consideration, even if it's a majority vote, if I still say no, it's still right. no. Right. right. That makes sense. Uh, explaining that more. Right. That makes way more sense. I think sense. it all ties together oh, with absolutely. you. But I was just going to say that it all ties oh. back to... Okay your relationships with your kids. Like you know your program, you know your kids. If you don't, you need to. Um, but you have the best understanding of what works for them and what works for the environment that you're in. And nothing is going to work if you don't understand where they are and you don't really need to try anything if you don't have kids in the program. If you don't build a relationship with them, there aren't kids there. So like, who are you coaching? Right. So in order to have mentorship at all, you need to have a relationship. Um, and you, I mean, you need to understand right. those boundaries and what that means, but they won't invest in the program if you don't invest in them first. And I'm, I, tell them, I mean, we will always work a little harder than they do because they don't know everything that happens behind the scenes, but like, I will only ever work as hard as they do. Like if they don't want to do this, then why should I stress myself and push them harder than they want? And, and whatever, I mean, Amen. I'm still going to push them. That's my job as a coach, but like, if they don't want it, and they aren't going to be in the room because I'm trying too hard on something, then why am I doing it? So 
you have to understand your kids mm-hmm. and where they're coming from and what they want. And that takes time. That takes a lot of time. And it's like, I'm just going to put it out there. It's going to suck for a while. And you just got to embrace yep. the suck. I tell my kids this every year. Like when they're first learning their routine, mm-hmm. like you're going to have a few weeks where nothing goes right and it all sucks. Like embrace it. Know that it doesn't mean that you suck. It just means that like you're in that period of time. The same goes with building your program and building a relationship with kids. Embrace the suck. Know that it's coming. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to have it. Okay. I don't know if you all have seen this, but I'm going to post it on the spirit of us Facebook page, but there's women's basketball coach. I believe it's you who talks about doing hard better because every day is hard every day is going to get harder life is not going to get easier it is only going to get harder right like you think life is hard as a high schooler because you have an ap test you have this and then you have practice and then you have to go to work right well what happens when you go to college you have more tests you have more exams you have more things you have to pay for things now when you're done with college you have to pay for an apartment right like she goes into this like in-depth conversation of like life does not get easier Life gives you more choices, makes things harder for you. And you have to be a person that can rise above and do hard better. My husband, like, who I have said is also amen. my mentor, though, did remind me of this one day when, you know, you come home and you vent and you can't stop talking and you're like, I just don't understand why they don't get this. As the adult in the room, you <laughs> have to understand, I think, too, and have empathy for the fact that, like, life is hard for them. And, like you have to understand and i've gotten caught in this same thing which like at the ripe old age of almost 30 i never thought i would but like those darn kids they don't know but like being a high schooler right now is not the same as it was when i was a high schooler even though it was less than 15 years ago so as much as i want to like as much as i do still tell them like life gets harder life doesn't get easier you just get better like you also have to empathize and like love them enough to like get them through their hard like everybody has hard stuff and right yep and also understand that like for the next 10 years we're going to be dealing Mm -hmm. with a global pandemic that set kids back yeah Yeah, absolutely there are two things that i would like to add to this entire conversation that i do think is also important to know and also communicate with your cheerleaders and just people in general that you're working with. Yes. Is cheerleading hard? It is. Is life hard? Yes. And there's a quote that I love that I stand by that is life is harder, but it's harder if you're stupid. So if you're going around and you're making stupid decisions, then you're making it even more difficult for yourself to be successful. So if you go to practice and you're complaining that you're tired or that you're sore, but then in free time in between reps, you're out there fiddle farting around and trying to throw up stupid stunts or giving piggyback rides or popping each other's backs when I don't think there's any high schoolers with chiropractic licenses out there. You are going to make your life harder because something will inevitably go wrong. The other part is, is, is there going to be moments in life that suck? <laughs> yeah. And not only is it going to suck for you, but it's going to suck for literally every other single person in that room. 
And that's something that I really tried to focus on this year was my own mindset because I've been trying to pay more attention to my own mental health and my own attitude. And I think that it's important to, I, I refer to it as keeping your, your mental state either in the, the balcony or the basement. You know what I mean? Do you want to sit down in a gross, cold, dingy basement all the time? No, because if you stay down there, it's dark, it's cold, nothing's ever going to end up feeling well. But if you're standing outside on a balcony in the sunshine and you're looking at all the wonderful things around you, you're going to have a better mindset, right? So like, stay out, stay out of that that basement situation and quit thinking, oh my God, this is going to suck so bad. We're never going to get this done up because you're right. If that's your mindset, that this is never going to work. Guess what? It isn't. Because I can tell you, I went in and stepped in this year because our main base had gotten out with a concussion right when we were leading up to our first competition. And I stepped in and I, as a 38 year old who has not based in like 20 years, really notably, I got in there and I based a switch up lib. And you know what? Am I pretty sure that I blew my shoulder out in the process? Yes, but by God, did I hold that lib up there? Because the whole time Queen. I was like, you cannot let this drop or you will forever shame yourself and your own daughter. 100%. You know what I mean? She was not fiddle farting around, lady. But it was all mental. And that's the the biggest thing, you guys, is it's like, and that's what I told the girls. I was like, if my old fat ass can get in there and do that without fucking and without doing it for literally 20 years, I've never based a freaking switch up in my good days, for Christ's sakes. It's all mental. And so you're only going to get out of it what it is that you put into it. So if you, you don't put a whole lot into it, guess what? Hey, Sarah. Out, I guess, you know, like Sarah, you've coached a lot of, a lot of championship teams. How do you get the kids to yeah. buy in and own, own it and mentor them through it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, um, I'm a creative at heart. And so I always start at the beginning of the year with like a theme or a word and we would build the, the whole year off of that theme of the word. And so the seniors get to pick that. And I love mixing our colors, but we would start the theme, you know, whatever color they wanted, then I would come to them with the themes. And, you know, one year it was cheer couture because they wanted purple and purple was royalty. And so we did the C's like the coach logo, you know, and we, we did our whole theme after that. But then, um, I never, I'm on the opposite spectrum of the, of the whole captains thing. I never did captains. I got burned one time. Literally, it was like, they were telling me what was going to be happening. And I was like, (laughs) I've lost control. I'm never doing this again. And I did it. And it was fine. No one cried. I was fine. Because I just... I think I, and, and that year was just particularly hard because it was a year of mean girls. Okay. And, and it was just, it was just rough all around. But so I just kind of always, the seniors are, I would, I was always saying you're, you're steering the boat and you can't get mad at the sophomore who leaves early for dance when two nights a week you leave early for your job at Bebop's. Like you're, you're still, you're still choosing not to put in the time. Mm-hmm. I was at a team this week and they were talking about how much longer till we leave, how much longer till we leave. And I said, here's the thing. You're asking when to leave and crying at award ceremony. It's not the same thing. So if you're asking to leave practice early, that means you really don't want to stay 
and be the best you possibly can be. So at the end of the award ceremony, your name's called last. That's that's two different people. Which you got to pick which you're going to be. Are you, are you doing this for fun? Or are you doing this to hear your name called last? Which is saying like you either I was trying to get it through to them. You either put in the work. So at the end of the award ceremony, your name's called last. Or is this just for fun? Let's all get on the same page. You know, and right. I shared this with Lee and Liz's team once. I said, what you're doing, it, it was one of the instances they had already mentioned tonight, just going through some tough stuff right up to state week. And I said, one time, the day after a big competition, the traditional competition, Triton, we had re-tryouts for our competition team on that Monday. We made everybody retry out because Triton was a nightmare. And it just, like, nothing went right. So what do we have to do? They're like, well, we all have to do all squad tumbling. Okay, let's start there. You know, and so it's kind of like leading it, hmm? leading them to the answers you need or leading them to the what you want. That's how I did it. And I can't say that every year that was perfect, but we tried to just kind of just lead the seniors going, listen, don't come to me being upset if you're going to be the ones that think you can get out of practice early because you have a job and you're a senior. And you, no, 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 no. Nope, you guys can't do that, and don't do this, and don't do that, and the, and just kind of put the ownership on them. So it was always right. the group, and then I always tried to lead them again towards the day after Triton. All right, this was this did none of this work. So what do we have to do now? Well, coach, we have to put all squad tumbling on the map. All right, let's start there. Everyone line up. You know, so captains just didn't work for us, and it didn't work for me either because I never wanted to leave someone out. And frankly, I was never, I was never that girl in high school. And I think too, a lot of it goes back to, you know, what you were coached with. I had excellent coaches, but I was never the one that was picked as captain. I was not, and not that I'm saying that was bad. I learned a lot through it, but I think there's, there's the group has good ideas. So that's kind of what worked for me. Yeah. I also think that it's important, like us as coaches, we are making decisions based on what is best for the team. And sometimes what's best for the team is being, we're doing a non-tumbling division for NCAA nationals this year. That was what is best for the team of competition cheerleaders that I have this year. Did we do excellent at state? Absolutely, right? Like they, they made it work. Did we have all of our tumbling numbers? No, we didn't. Did we have the jump numbers that the, we were supposed to have? No, we didn't, but we did the best with what we had. We put out a clean routine and we were rewarded for it. And like, I, that's what I told the girls. I was like, this is what I need from you on this day. I will give you all of my energy. I will give you all of the positivity that you need for that day, but I need you to show up and do your job and I will do mine. Right. I was just piggybacking on like, that's oh. what Kaylee says. It's a lot about knowing your team and that's what works. Mm -hmm. Tim was yeah. like, this is what works for us. And this is what's going to work for us in Daytona or you know, Daytona. This is what's going to work for us in Texas. I wish. You know, and you do, you have to know yes. your team and sometimes it will be. And I think for me too, you know, I learned from a lot of really good experiences, but you know, those couple experiences shaped who I was as a coach. And, you know, my first few years, especially my first few years coaching cheerleading was a lot of like, well, this is what we used to do, or this is what my mom said. And I would be like, in my contract, <laughs> I coach high school girls. Oh, I don't see your mothers anywhere in here. <laughs> and now I'm a mom. <laughs> so like, yeah. you know, like you learn, you learn, right? <laughs> and I'm like 
yeah, you tell your coach yes. your mom said. No, I would never say that. But um, you you get what I'm saying. Like, you just got to figure out what works. Yeah. And then first and foremost, thank you all so much for being a part of this podcast. Agreeing to join this wild adventure with me, who's crazy, and sometimes falls off the face of the earth, like I did last week when everyone's like, wellness check. Tim, are you okay? <laughs> yes, I'm fine. My life is just crazy, and I do cheer 24-7 all the time. But thank you for persevering and pushing and making this happen for all of us, because we know that it's important, not just for us in this group, but I think it's very important for everybody in the state of Iowa. And I hope, you know, in the future, even bigger, I hope that it's across the United States or whoever does cheer. Like, I hope that we can be a huge front for, for all of that. Like, that's like my big, big time goals here, I guess, you know, and like, maybe that's dreaming too big, but I am a firm believer that you should always dream big. And the biggest dream is the best one of all. So like, that's kind that of where I'm going with sticker. all of it. I will. <laughs> nice, It'll be nice, on some merch nice, coming nice. soon. Hey, uh, you know, I am looking forward to our future conversations for you all to host some of these podcasts and interview coaches across the state of Iowa and choreographers across the United States and other leaders in the cheer industry for all of us to gain knowledge from and to learn from. We have one more topic to get to, but... I think that it's also a great way to start our next episode because our next episode is all going to focus about school size and team size and more. Oh my. So I think that's a great, our next topic, our next question is like, you know, if money were no object, what would you purchase today for your program? And like, I would love to get some more uh, people involved in this call for that question to know, like, what would a 1A school say? What would a 2A school say? 3A, 4A, 5A, like, you know, what would a school that's not even an A call it, you know, like. Like, what would they need? And, like, just seeing that broad spectrum of needs and wants and desires. And I hope that you can like and follow and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Music. We're hoping to be on Amazon Music soon. And then also give us a follow on our Facebook page, The Spirit of Us. And also check out our website, thespiritofus.co. We will have a blog post that relates to some of the topics that we talked about listed on here. And also just, it's going to be a great resource. We're hoping to open up a video library on there for everybody to be able to have some stunting basics and tumbling basics and really hopefully giving some some great knowledgeable advice from some great people in order for us to all be doing things safely and correctly. And really, again, it's for us, right? But the us also doesn't happen without the us that is our kids. And so I think that that's like the other bigger arching goal of this entire group and this entire podcast and program that we're doing. Thank you so much for joining us for our first Spirit of Us podcast. We hope that you join us every Friday to hear some more insights from other coaches. And hopefully you get some great anecdotes and some great ideas for your own cheer programs. If you have any questions or have any topics for us to go over, we encourage you to go to our website, thespiritofus.co, and fill out one of those forms on there if you're interested in being interviewed or have any topic suggestions for us to cover in our future podcasts or future seasons. Have a great Friday. Have a good weekend.